นะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะนะโมทัสสะภะคะวะโตอรหะโตสัมมาสัมพุทธัสสะบุตรทางธรรมังสังขังนมัสสามิThe new biography of r u m p o c h a and uh, uh, so <coughs> many very um, uh, rich uh, reflections and uh, say aspects of the uh, the life teachings of r u m p o c h a his activities, and uh, one of the the, uh, the most striking pieces within it for myself is. Reading the uh, the translation of his diary that he kept when he came to the West for the first time in 1977, uh, but, uh, most of that's never been translated into to English or published before. So the, these uh, words that haven't been seen in print up until now. So it's very uh, see, um, interesting and uh, intriguing. Some of the things that uh, that he writes and uh, his observations. Well, one of the th- the most regular themes of his teaching uh, that I feel is extremely helpful uh, for all of us, and is a, a constant thread—not just through the readings we've been having uh, this winter, but through the the many Dhamma talks he he's given, other teachings gathered in different places. And uh, one of the most striking things from his diary was uh, the um, the comment he made about how to say establish the insight into the Satcha Dhamma, the, the true Dhamma, to see things to see things clearly. And he makes this uh, whole uh, uh, list of of pairs. Uh, Pairs of qualities, such as uh, to see things clearly, we have to see the the cool in the hot and the hot in the cool. We have to see the wrong in the right and the right in the wrong. We have to see the uh, painful in the pleasant and the pleasant in the painful. We have to see progress in regress and regress in progress. We have to see the um, the big in the small, and the small in the big, the long in the short, the short in the long, and and so forth. So this uh, uh, this kind of theme of his, uh, uh, it's pointing to 
the habit of mind that we have that takes things in a, uh, a superficial way. That when things are comfortable or pleasant or what we would wish for, then we call it good. Or when things are uncomfortable or difficult, and, um, connected with failure or loss or, or discomfort, pain, then we call it bad. And uh, this set of reflections uh, that he gave uh, is a part of this theme where he, he keeps pointing to um, the uh, the principle of, of non-attachment, essentially, of not taking things at face value. Over and over again, he would make this point that you know, liking and disliking are of equal value. Uh, whether we get uh, uh, what we like, whether it's a success or and it's uh, enjoyable, or whether it's painful and unenjoyable, like and dislike are of, uh, of equal value. So uh, this is a, a quality of mindfulness and reflection, what you can call mindfulness and clear comprehension, sati sampajanya, is seeing the bigger picture, not just taking life at face value. I like this person, I don't like that person. This is a good person, that's a bad person. This is good weather, that's bad weather. This is good food, that's bad food. I'm happy, I'm unhappy. I'm succeeding, I'm failing. And uh, it's so ordinary, so normal for us to assess uh, our, our mind, our body, our perceptions, the, the world around us, the people that, that we live with, that we're connected to, the people in the broader world, it's so easy and ordinary for us to uh, label each other, to label the world in, in these ways. But this simple set of, of reflections, seeing the um, uh, the cool in the hot and the hot in the cool, seeing the the, uh, uh, the painful in the pleasant and the pleasant in the painful, seeing the short in the long and the long in the short, and so on. These are, um, say, reminders to not just uh, take things at face value, but to look, look more deeply, to consider. Particularly in relationship to success and failure, uh, I, I don't know how many times over the years I've, I've given people the, uh, uh, the example of how you know, if we look back five or ten years at some event in our lives, and at the time, we thought, this is great, this is fantastic, I'm so happy, at last I've finally been accected as a monk or as a nun. Oh, finally, I've got the, I've got the promotion, I've got the new job. Oh, we finally bought the house, finally got married, finally got divorced. At last I've left that Ajahn, hooray, I'm free. And... Uh, so we, we, we're rejoicing, we think it's, it's fantastic, we're, we're so happy that we, we got what we wanted. And then five or ten years later, when we look back, we're sort of shaking our head, thinking, I can't believe I was celebrating. Yeah. That was, uh, I was so happy when that, when, when that, um, that promotion came. I was so happy when I, I, I was accepted as a monk. In, whew, <laughs> little did I know what was, uh, I was getting into. Uh, and so, was it a success or was it a failure? Similarly, uh, if we take uh, 
a look at five, ten years ago, something that was a was really painful, difficult, that we thought of as a disaster, or a real problem, an illness or a loss or being thrown out of a job, um, making some terrible mistake, or being badly treated or, or treating somebody else very, very badly, doing something that was really uh, foolish or destructive or, or had painful results. And at the time, it's a, a complete disaster. It's a it's something that's awful and painful, difficult. And yet, when we look back now, from five or ten years later, we can see, well, it was really horrible at the time, but, you know, that was probably the best thing that ever happened to me. So, I've done, I've run this as a little thought experiment for many, many dozens, probably maybe even hundreds of groups of people, individuals, over the years. And uh, every time... Uh, you run through it every time you you you, you try that out. Almost invariably, you know, the the people gather go. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, that, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So it's not just um, by chance that uh, you as an individual happen to have that experience. But that, that's how it is for for pretty much everybody. And what is so? If that's the case, what does that say about success and failure? Uh, it's seeing the, the, the right in the wrong and, and the wrong in the right. Seeing the short in the long and the, the long in the short. Seeing the pleasant in the painful, the painful in the pleasant. But, uh, things create their opposites. So this is, uh, I feel, a very, very, like Lumpo Cha was extraordinarily gifted in expressing principles in a very direct and tangible way, a way that's easy to f- get the feeling for but yet are very profound. And so if we are able to, uh, to use this, this skill uh, and uh, remember to apply it, it makes a huge difference to us. So when we're, we are praised or things go well, uh, if we are using this kind of principle, then there isn't that taking things for granted. There's a recognition, well, this is sweet, this is delightful, this person's happy at what I just said to them, but uh, uh, what can we learn from this? Rather than, this is a good thing, yeah, hooray. <laughs> Rather, okay, this is, a, this is a, sweet, a sweet taste. What can be learned from this? And similarly, if someone criticizes you, or someone is upset, or you're, you're feeling pain or illness or difficulty, then oh, this is bitter. This is a this is a, a painful feeling. This is a, a, a discomfort. So, what can we learn from this? And then the mind stops relating to gain and loss, short and long, success and failure, uh, happiness and unhappiness. It stops relating to those in such a personal way. It's not like I've succeeded, I've failed, I've, I'm now happy, or I'm I'm miserable. But uh, it's able to shift the view from a, a self-centered perspective to a, a view centered on Dhamma, on nature itself, on, on a, you can say, from a, a non-personal perspective. This is what sweetness tastes like. This is what bitterness tastes like. This is what comfort is like. This is what discomfort is like. We train the heart not to take life personally, not to, to take everything in in personal terms. But then, <clears throat> if we do that, 
how does that change the world? How does that change uh, our, our own heart? For my own experience, uh, within within uh, this mind, then uh, there's a, a, a radical change. Uh, bitter is still bitter, sweet is still sweet, comfort is still comfortable, and discomfort is, is still uncomfortable. But it, uh, the the perspective upon it, the way it's held in the heart, is is completely different. It's uh, it's recognizing that you know, this is just one particular perspective. That's all. It's not the way that everyone sees it, or it's not everyone's experience, and and it's not intrinsically good, or it's not intrinsically bad. It's not bad of itself, or good of itself. Uh, the heart doesn't get lost in that badness or or, or goodness, uh, sweetness or bitterness, uh, in that judgment of uh, right or wrong, or long or short, uh, hot or cold. This is a great strength that we have as human beings, and uh, when uh, when we train the heart in this way, and uh, are not just uh, habituated towards those judgments uh, of what we what we prefer, then we're far more able to appreciate the perspective of of others. That we're able to say attune uh, our heart to other people's perspectives. Because what's a, a joy for me might be miserable for someone else. What what is my success is somebody else's failure. What is comfortable for me is uncomfortable for someone else. So that uh, that uh, that recognition of uh, of the a limited or, or um, conditional nature of our own experience, it opens the heart to appreciate the the experience uh, of others. So that makes us much more able to live in a skillful way in community, to live in a, a harmonious and skillful way with, uh, with uh, those that we share. You know, our lives, the, the other people in our community, in our family, and, and in the world around us. So I would in, encourage this um, quality of uh, reflectiveness, and it depends for it to be uh, really established. It depends a lot on the the uh, just the mindfulness of. Uh, how often we make judgments. It can be pretty shocking. Uh, I was having a conversation with someone a day or two ago about this. Uh, if you set the intention, uh, say at the beginning of the day, okay, during today, I'll, I'll make a, a firm intention to, to, uh, to note clearly and consciously whenever the mind makes a judgment about this is good, that's bad, this is right, that's wrong. And to notice quite consciously, how many times during the day the mind makes those kind of, of judgments. And it, it can be quite shocking when you when you do this, the, how much the, the mind is taking those kind of positions. This is good, this is bad, I approve of this, I don't approve of that, I, this is good, that's bad, this person should be this way, they shouldn't be that way. And uh, it can be quite alarming, like, wow, you know, the mind is doing this all the time. <laughs> And then, as it does that, uh, making the the assumption that what you call good is absolutely good, 
or what you call bad is absolutely bad. Or what you call uh, delicious is is absolutely delicious, and and what is not uh, not delicious or not interesting to you is is absolutely that way. So it uh, <coughs> it can be quite startling, shocking to see how much the mind makes these judgments in terms of like and dislike. But in order to to develop the skill, this is our I would say is the, the the first way to to go about it, and so I've done this quite a bit in the past myself. And then, when you recognise that the mind making those judgments, liking, disliking, approving, disapproving, you know, calling things good or bad, or long or short, coarse or fine, to to, to again use Lumpur methodology, uh, again very very simple but very effective. As soon as you notice the mind making a judgment, bring up the question, is that so? This is really good. Is that so? This is awful. Is that so? Yeah. This is mine. Is that so? Yeah, this is not mine. Is that so? And if we take the trouble to, to do this, again, many of us have heard this this teaching in the past or you know, seen this in, in uh, Lumpur Chah's teachings, we've heard it in Dhamma talks and as we hear it, we think, oh yeah, yeah, right, that's great, that's great, yeah, it makes, per- makes perfect sense, yeah. As we're hearing the words, it makes perfect sense. But then as soon as the Dhamma talk's over, <laughs> if not before the Dhamma talk is over, we've totally forgotten, in one ear, out the other. And then uh, as soon as we walk out of the temple, oh, it's freezing, oh, it's very cold, it's really cold. <laughs> we, we stop noticing that we just made a judgment, you know, uh, don't like the cold or... or uh, Oh no, it's raining again. Oh. Um, the uh, the effectiveness of this kind of uh, this kind of teaching is that uh, if, as we hear it and think, yeah, that makes sense. That's a good idea. Then we make a point of applying it, and uh, if we do, it, it is uh, quite wonderful, uh, amazing how. It really changes the heart. It changes the way that the, the world is experienced. It changes the way that this mind, this body, uh, are experienced. Uh, and again, uh, just to underline that, it, it can be quite startling how uh, often the mind makes those kind of judgments. This is right, that's wrong, this is good, that's bad, it should be this way, it shouldn't be this way. But if we then meet those judgments with a reflective attitude, we apply that uh, the mind that is wisely reflecting uh, the quality of yoniso manasikara investigation. Say, is that so? We call something delicious. Is that so? We call something horrible. Is that so? We say the weather is good. Is that so? We say that you know, the weather is bad. Is that so? Someone's behavior, uh, we call it bad. Is that so? Someone else's behavior we call good. Is that so? And when that that questioning is uh, is applied, uh, then in that moment, if that it's not just repeating the words, but there's a real uh, inquiry is uh, say, uh, activated, then it uh, say awakens the quality of wisdom in the heart that that recognizes oh. Of course, there, there are other perspectives. Oh, that's just one uh, one viewpoint. How could that be the whole story? Aha! And in that moment of aha, in that moment of seeing clearly, 
in the moment of, uh, say, recognizing the limited and subjective nature of your mind's habits, there's a freedom, there's a liberation. So in Lumpur, Lumpur Char's diary, he called this the, uh, the, the development of the Satchasa, the, the science of truth, or the science of reality, which is a, a very, a very skillful way of speaking about it. Because it's, it's a science, it's a, a quality of knowing, uh, knowing the, the truth of things. And in that, in that knowing, there's a, a freedom because in that in that knowing, then in that moment of clear knowing, clear seeing, the heart uh, is in tune with its own reality and with the reality of all things. So, uh, your heart, uh, as an aspect of of Dhamma, is attuned and, and awake to uh, the experience of the world, experience of perceptions and and uh, <coughs> all the patterns of consciousness. It's uh, it's attuned to that without bias, without confusion, without greed, hatred, or delusion, uh, and that brings with it a quality of peacefulness, of, of freedom, of of, uh, of delight. As long as the mind is is fixated on its judgments uh, of good and bad, right and wrong, approval, disapproval, like and dislike then it, the world is continually being created and made solid. We are making me here and the world out there. This, uh, we are see, making the... Uh, we're being born as a person, essentially. But we're making ourselves as this person who exists in time, and I have this name and this personality. This is who I am. We make other people. And, uh, this is what Ajahn Kongrit is like. This is what Ajahn... Uh, Bodhipala is like this is uh, these are these people they're fixed permanent realities we continually create each other we create ourselves by believing in these judgments in the, in the perceptions and through this simple means of wise reflection and challenging those presumptions that, that freeing that liberation uh, comes because in that moment the quality of wisdom, the quality of wise awareness, of vicha, of, uh, of panya, wisdom itself, of, uh, awareness, in that moment of that uh, awareness being, say, uh, clarified, it's letting go of identification with the object. That which knows the body is not the body. You know, that which knows form doesn't, it doesn't have a form, it's formless. That which knows the person is not a person. That which knows the world is not is not of the world. That's why it's that's why there's freedom from the world. Just as in the the uh, the, the verses that we chant regularly from the the Udana, uh, because there is the unborn, unoriginated, uh, uncreated, unformed. There, there is uh, liberation from the uh, born, the originated, the created, the formed is possible. So <clears throat> that's not something far away. That's not something remote. That's not some kind of distant um, magical quality that's over on the other side of the rainbow, somewhere over the rainbow. But it's the, the very uh, awake, aware quality of 
of your own heart, your own mind, this very mind. And uh, it's when that that heart uh, is uh, freed from its habitual identification with thought, feeling, perception, seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, when that, that awareness is freed from uh, identifying with what is limited and time-bound and personal, then it, uh, it rec- it, it's awake to its own intrinsic nature, unborn, unoriginated, unformed, uncreated. That heart which is uh, unlimited, timeless, aware. And we talk about the, the, we recite the qualities of the Buddha, uh, knower of the world, lokavitu, the um, awake and holy. You know, we, we think of those qualities as being attributes of, of uh, the, the Lord Buddha, the, the founder of this religion, and uh, the, the spiritual teacher that lived two and a half thousand years ago. But again, again, as uh, uh, comes across in Lumpur Cha's teachings and uh, his Dhamma talks and, and people's uh, own recollections of his, his teachings, you know, the Buddha, which is the, the refuge, which is accessible moment by moment, is this uh, puru, this uh, awakened awareness of our own heart. That is what is awake and holy. Uh, the refuge that is awake and holy is, is your heart. <laughs> you know, this this very heart, this very mind, uh, that's uh, accessible this very moment. Pachatang, uh, to be known by each person for themselves. Sanditiko akaliko, apparent here and now, timeless. You know, these qualities of the Dhamma and the Buddha, they're not far away. They might seem as though they are a bit... Uh, Kind of, uh, special or magical or remote, or uh, we have these uh, words that we use to describe them, makes them sound very much other. What the, the, uh, the Buddha, this sort of great golden being up on the top of the shrine, that's what the Buddha was like. But uh, over and over and over again, the, the emphasis that Lumpur Cha would make in, in his teachings, as we've been hearing and reflecting on uh, regularly, is that. That uh, quality uh, of, of of Buddha, which is the the refuge, which is an accessible, safe place, moment by moment, is this very uh, wake awakened awareness uh, of this this heart. When we uh, say activate this kind of reflection, just to challenge our assumptions, what we're doing is we're we're breaking uh, the heart, allowing the heart to break out of the prison that has been made through uh, unconscious attachment to the body, to uh, feelings, perceptions, thoughts, emotions, memories. That we're, we're not aware that it's this very mind and its habits that have made the prison. It's a, a prison of our own making. And so if it's something that, that we have made ourselves, we can unmake it. We can, we can uh, help the, allow the heart to break free from, uh, from that very prison. And this quality of wise reflection 
brought to uh, focus on our, our thoughts, our attitudes, our feelings, moment by moment, that is the most effective way of, of knocking down the, the prison walls. It's not just a matter of unlocking the doors. Like <laughs> this, this quality of of, uh, of wisdom, a wise reflection, can knock the walls out altogether, so that it's recognized that there never was a prison. It was only uh, something that was, say, uh, of our own making, that we, we keep uh, recreating moment by moment. The ignorant habits of mind that say, I am the body, I am the personality, I am this life story, I am a woman, I am a man, I'm tall, I'm short, I'm old, I'm young. That uh, we are continually creating these these prison walls through believing in perceptions, believing in thoughts and memories, ideas. But when they they uh, uh, they are no longer supported by those habits of belief, then then the walls fall out. The walls just uh, uh, collapse. That there never was a prison. It just was that we we uh, had created one through our own uh, unconscious and foolish habits of, of attachment. Many, many years ago, uh, when I was, um, uh, I, I was uh, uh, an Anagarika, I was very new in the monastery in in Thailand, in Wat Pananachat, and... Um, uh, I was you know, very inspired and very enthusiastic about the the practice. I had really known nothing about Buddhism at all before I got there. And um, uh, one night, I uh, but then it was uh, it was really um, vividly clear to me that this was a, a an extraordinarily uh, powerful method of, of uh, practice, a kind of way of living, and uh, principles that were were genuinely liberating. And uh, one night I had this uh, this very, very vivid dream. Uh, I'm not quite sure exactly why it took shape in the way that it did, but it was cast in the in the scenario of a kind of an old uh, cowboy movie. And so there was this uh, fortress um, uh, and uh, like a wooden fortress uh, that the, some friends of ours, um, members of our, our group, our tribe, had been imprisoned in this fortress. And I was part of this group of the Native Americans who were attacking the fortress. And the, the, uh, the, the white soldiers were, were protecting it. And anyway, there wasn't much of the detail of the, of the fight that uh, took place, but uh, uh, we had uh, entered through the, through, the, through the gates and taken over. We'd won the battle and taken over the the fortress, and uh, I was running along this corridor where there was these prison cells, and uh, and then I, I came to this the door of this particular prison cell and sort of threw it open, and there was this uh, old school friend of mine. So this was uh, only really a, a few months after I'd left England and, and gone to to Asia. And so um, these um, old uh, companions of mine were, were old companions of mine were still on my mind or still fresh in my memory and so uh, and this 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 fellow had been a, a very close friend for, for years and years ever since uh, early times at high school and so uh, I th- uh, threw the door open and uh, I, 
I said, uh, you're, we've, won, we've won the fight. You're free to go. And uh, so I'm sort of filled with this excitement. Hooray, hooray, we won. You know, and, uh, and so that uh, through the door open and say, you're free, you're free, you can go. And then to my surprise, this old friend of mine has got his back turned to the door and he seems to be, he he's just sort of glances over his shoulder and, and um, goes back to, to some task that he's busy with. And I think, oh, that's funny. He's not enthusiastic about being free. And uh, so I, I walk into the cell and say that, uh, said, you're, you're free to go. You know, we, we, we've won. The, the, the door's open. You can go. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, well, I'm kind of busy right now. Well, busy? But, you know, he's been locked up in this jail and now he can go. What, what could he be busy with? And so I walked up a little bit closer and he was knitting. And this, this friend of mine was not someone who knitted. So I have no idea how that uh, got woven into my particular psychological map, but it did. And I, I thought, he's, he's knitting, but uh, okay. <laughs> so I said, no, no, you're, you're free to go, you can go. So, well, yeah, yeah, uh, okay, 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 okay. And, and so sort of turned away and then got carried on with very, very busily and anxiously with his knitting, I thought. Okay, so he wants to. He's busy there with his knitting. Okay, well he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to leave. But uh, well, I'm I'm taking off. So I just left him to it and and turned around and walked out of the cell and uh, and off to enjoy my the rest of my life. So so uh, that, I felt that was a very uh, um, symbolic and uh, meaningful. Uh, dream uh, and a set of images and uh, I think it was not just about that that particular friend but about that in a way that mindset that um, that uh, prefers to stay locked into its own set of illusions rather than uh, putting down your busyness that, uh, that, that even though the door of the prison is open and you can get up and walk away you you, you prefer to carry on with your knitting <laughs> I've got nothing against knitting. It's just I have no no bias or aversion to knitting. It was just somehow it, it sort of formed in my in that dream as a a um, a dis, a, a, dis, uh, a distraction that was not totally connected to to liberation in some way, shape, or form. But that's often what we do. We 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 prefer to stay busy with our little tasks. Uh, with with our personality, with our, with our insoluble problems, we we prefer to hang on to our our difficulties than to say I don't have to be this. I don't have to define who who and what I am by my by my personality or my life story or my my age or my gender or my career path or my uh, uh, the events of of uh, of this life. But it's it's something that we know. So they're hunched in the corner, sort of being busy with our little, <laughs> our little task. We we can prefer that because it's what we know. It's like they say, better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. And so it's 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 tragic how much we do that. That we freedom is completely possible. We're even in the business of of freeing ourselves. Here we are in a the deathless realm, <laughs> even living at uh, Amravati, we're, we're certified residents of the deathless realm. It's you know this is our business. We shave our heads, we put on robes, we 
we, we live here, we, we take the precepts, committed to a life of practicing Dhamma, but still, even within this domain, with all of the, the, the symbols of, of uh, liberation, we can still uh, bury ourselves in the corner and say, I'm so, well, I'm, I'm kind of busy at the moment. <laughs> busy with our particular projects, or our, our jealousies, or our fears, or our aversions, or our, uh, our kind of, uh, struggles, our unrequitable uh, problems. Because it, it gives us a defined sense of being. Uh, it's uh, easier to hang on to some some problem than to let go and to say well, no, it doesn't have to be a problem. You can you can leave it behind. You can tear up that script and throw it away. Put it on the fire. Light a fire with it. <laughs> you don't need to be defined by that. It doesn't have to be who and what you are. The, that which knows the the person is not a person. That which uh, knows the world is not tied to the world, is not limited by the world. It's free of that, unlimited by that. This quality of awakened awareness is non-personal. It's uh, transcendent, liberated. But uh, often there's a, a, such a, a strong habituation, a strong fixation and, and just the mind familiar with that sense of defined being, I am, I am something. <laughs> that the that, that identification is so strong, that habituation like being addicted to, to nicotine or caffeine or sugar or some uh, physical dependency that the idea of giving it up, oh, what will I do if I haven't got this? Who will I be if I haven't if I'm not this? <laughs> So that the, uh, tragically, just like my old friend hunched over in the corner with his knitting, we we hang on to those identities just because it gives a, a sense of defined being. Because from the the position of self-view, undefined being is death. Well, if I if I can't be this, what am I? <laughs> And so, even in, in the Buddha's time, when he would talk about um, uh, the letting go of, the, of, um, of things, or the, the cessation of the stilling of all formations, this kind of language he would use, people would feel it was a very nihilistic teaching, very negative, very sort of life-denying, life-hating, life-negating um, philosophy. And so that they they felt the Buddha was an, an annihilationist, that he was sort of anti-life and uh, very negative and destructive teaching. He was accused of being a bunahuno, a, a wrecker of being, a destroyer of being. Bunahuno, that's the correct pronunciation. A, a wrecker of being. And uh, over and over again he had to say, no, that's not what I teach. I don't teach the destruction of an existent being. It's not what I teach. But if the mind is fixated on self-view, then that's what it can seem like. But there is a, a well, uh, a well-known simile that is used to describe this, where if you're walking along through the through the long grass and you see a, a round shape on the path and you feel fear surprise and fear and 
uh, anxiety. Oh, it's a snake! It's a snake! And then you, you freeze and you look closer, and then you realize, oh, it's it's not a snake. It's just a coil of rope. Ah! <sighs> and you relax because you realize it wasn't a snake. It was just a coil of rope in the grass. Nothing to be afraid of. So then the question comes: What happened to the snake when the coil of rope was recognized? Well, nothing happened to the snake because then there never was one. Which is like what happens to the self when not self is recognized? Nothing, because there never was one. <laughs> so there's an existent self that is destroyed or comes to an end. It's like, no, that was just it was a a, a case of mistaken identity. It was just a, a wrong perception and a very convincing perception, but but one that was distorted and confused, that was inaccurate. So. Over and over again, the Buddha had to explain, you know, he doesn't teach the, the destruction of an existent being, but rather that what we think is the reality of, of birth and personhood and individual existence in time and space. It's just a, an a appearance of things. But uh, when wisdom is applied, then that insight into, into not-self is... Uh, is a catalyzed is is uh, is strengthened. And, uh, that is that true seeing is uh, is awakened, and that uh, that recognition of the body. It's not that the body was self, and now it's not self anymore. No, it never was self. <laughs> the personality, thoughts, and emotions, feelings. The, there is the uh, the perception or the assumption. This is who and what I am, but it never really was. It's just that was a habitual way of relating to that flow of experience because of not seeing clearly, because of a, a confused or childlike or you know, conditioned set of, of habits. But when those habits are, are broken, when they are, are challenged and realized for what they are, then, as I said, it's like the, the, the prison door is open or the prison walls have fallen down. There's, there's no prison, really. It, it never was there. It's just... Uh, the mind had created that, had created those limitations out of its own unconscious beliefs. Oh, when we speak in this kind of a way, then it can uh, it can be a bit disorienting. Or, oh, well, you know, if I'm not this person, if I if I'm not this, isn't who and what I am, then what am I? And uh, or maybe. Uh, the uh, there's just a a, a sense of um, disorientation, and not just losing your direction, or, or, or having had a familiar way of orienting the mind uh, in relationship to experience in the world, and suddenly that those familiar signposts or, or, or definitions are, are are lost, or that they are they no longer are meaningful, and so we can feel a bit unsteady or dizzy or lose our, our direction. But uh, also one of the, the very um, helpful points that uh, is emphasized in Lumpur teachings was uh, about mindfulness. He said, you know, that the genuine mindfulness, samasati, mindfulness which is genuine and in, in accord with Dhamma, the, the samasati, the right mindfulness or true mindfulness, always has an element of uh, recognizing the wholesome and the unwholesome. That directionality 
is there in that true mindfulness that there, there is a, a recognition of well, this uh, attitude, this action, these words, this leads to benefit, this leads to, to uh, concord and to, to well-being. This set of actions or attitudes, words, these will lead to division and conflict, to difficulty and painfulness. So that the, uh, even when there, there's a, a letting go of, of identification with the, with this body, with the personality, with personal stories, with time, and, and uh, the usual signposts that we have as a human being, then we, it's not as though we become kind of spaced out or, or incompetent or confused or <laughs> just turn into a, uh, uh, kind of lost being. But there is a very clear uh, guidance for conduct in terms of yeah, that the, the mind that has let go of identification with the body, with the personality, with, uh, with uh, individual stories and uh, our roles in, in society, that direction of what is wholesome, what is unwholesome, is in, in a way that is even more clear than ever before. So there's a, a guidance for action, moment by moment. There's a guidance for for, for speech, what's going to be helpful, what's going to lead towards concord between this being and other beings, what's going to lead towards harm and confusion, what's going to be destructive, what's going to be uh, helpful. So that uh, that quality of, of direction is uh, is very uh, very much there. And uh, another set of teachings that the uh, the Buddha gave about uh, these um, the development of, of mindfulness, learning to live in a skillful way, what he called a sapurisa, or a good person, a well-rounded person. That if these uh, uh, that if these qualities of mindfulness and wisdom, sati and panya, are very thoroughly developed and freed from the, the, the confusions of, uh, of attachment and identification, the more that the heart is guided by mindfulness and wisdom, then there is a, a very uh, close attunement uh, to the time, the place, the situation. So when he describes the qualities of a, of a good person, a well-rounded person, then far from being a kind of spaced out or, you know, if you let go of your personality and identification with the body and the mind and thoughts far from sort of being needing to be afraid that you're going to turn into a zombie or you'll become impractical or uh, unable to function it's a, rather it's the exact opposite and so that the mind that is is uh, no longer based on on self-view and conceit but rather is embodying mindfulness and wisdom there's a a, uh, an active appreciation of the causes of things, what the Buddha called Dhammanyutta, knowing the knowing the the causes, the origins of things, where things come from, and then Atanyutta, knowing the results or the effects or the the, the direction where, where things are going. That that as an attunement, okay, this is the cause, this is the effect. The, the heart is uh, say uh, alert to those patterns of nature, how things work in in the mental realm, in the physical realm, that is attuned to cause and effect. There's a, 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 an attunement to your own, your own skills, your own abilities, your own weaknesses. Atanyuta, knowing yourself, knowing your own personality, so that 
yeah, there's an awareness of what this particular configuration of, of conditions is, what it's gifted at, what it's not gifted at, what it's where it makes difficulties and where things are, are easy. So, atanyuta, knowing your own character, knowing your own strengths and, and uh, abilities and, and disabilities. Matanyuta, uh, knowing the right amount. This uh, principle of uh, podi, knowing uh, that uh, again in Lumpur Chah's teachings, knowing podi, knowing the uh, what's good enough, knowing the right amount, uh, with the amount of food that you take, or the amount of sleep that you need, the amount of engagement that you need to make with others, knowing the the right amount of strength that you need to carry out a particular task. Matanyuta, knowing knowing what's enough, uh, that uh, uh, practical attunement to um, what is what's a, a balanced way of functioning in the world. Kalanyuta, knowing the right time, knowing when it's time to to speak, when it's time to be quiet, knowing it's time to be cheerful, when it's the time to be uh, to be um, sober, and solemn. Yeah. The uh, knowing the right time to to lend a hand, knowing the right time to hold back, knowing the right time for continuing Dhamma talk, and knowing when it's the right time to be quiet. Ukalanyita, <laughs> knowing the the right time, what's the appropriate time? Then Parisanyuta, knowing the group that you're talking that you're with. You know what's the uh, the dynamic of the group are you is it a small group of friends or is it a, a big assembly is it uh, are you talking to a a, a, um, a group of people in a university uh, are you part of a group listening to a teacher what what's the, the group that you're involved in the, knowing the parisa and then knowing the the character of the others that you're you're connected with the people in your family the people in your community the People on the street, uh, knowing the, the the personality and the, the traits, the, the capacities of uh, of others, uh, the pugalanyuta, uh, knowing the the the, uh, the disposition, the character, the uh, the nature of others. So when the the uh, the heart has really let go of its usual identifications, that non-identification, far from being um, uh, not able to function in the world, it frees the heart to to be uh, actually f- far more completely and fully attuned so that we, we, we become uh, much more well-rounded and uh, complete and, and much more functional and adaptable to, to situations uh, in the world. So that internally, the experience uh, of, uh, of that quality of uh, awakened awareness, when the heart is fully liberated uh, from its attachments, uh, as the, the Buddha said, in talking about the uh, his simile of the island, he said, you know, there's the island which you cannot go beyond. It is a place of of no-thingness, akinchanam, uh, a place of non-possession, anadana, a place where there's, internally the mind isn't owning anything, it's not owning the body, the personality, it's not owning the world, or this life story, or a social role of any kind. It's a place of non-possession, it's a place of, of no-thingness, not being anything. Uh, 
again, as Lampucha in one of his Dhamma talks, who was saying, you know, there, there isn't really a somato. You know, you think somato's here translating his Dhamma talk, but there isn't really a somato. Yeah. Uh, it's a, internally or subjectively, there's a recognition that, that there isn't really a person here. The personhood is just a, a set of impressions. It's a, a, a place of no thingness, akinchanam. Anadana, a place of non-possession. So that can sound a bit spacey or a bit kind of uh, rootless, but internally uh, there's that quality of spaciousness and freedom from the limitations of, of personhood. But externally, uh, in terms of, uh, of uh, the functioning in relation to the objective world, then uh, one becomes much more able and adaptable and uh, practically uh, engaged in a in a harmonious and, and complete way. The, that uh, from the outside, uh, one is a sapurisa, a well-rounded person, a well-attuned person. But the inside, there's the recognition of there's no person, <laughs> no, no one here, no one, no one, no uh, no one home, and that. Uh, these are reflected, uh, as I often mention, that in the quality of that quality of the Buddha, vijja charana sampano. So the the vijja side, the awareness side, recognizes that uh, there there's uh, there is no person. That there is this is not a person. This is not an individual. Not an I. Not a self. But that's twinned with charana, with the with the conduct, which is perfectly attuned to the time, the place, the situation, and the, the people that, that, that you're with. And so that uh, we shouldn't be afraid uh, of cultivating these kinds of insight. We shouldn't be afraid of, of uh, letting the heart out of its self-made prisons. That this is not, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of. There's no sense of loss uh, no, no threat to to uh, anything that is real or genuine, but rather it's a a, a a means whereby we can actualize the capacity that we have, the, the potential that we have uh, as a human being, uh, um, to realize the the potential for uh, for uh, for liberation, for fulfillment, and for the, the heart being fully uh, at peace with all things. So I offer these words for consideration this evening. <laughs>